right, folks, welcome back to, you know, I heard some word on the street uh, that there was, a, there was a favorite podcast roaming around the carnival grounds, you know what I mean, jingling, jangling, changing the pockets, um, eyes dug out of sockets, and hearts from chess that aren't exactly lockets, if you know what I'm saying. So, with that being said, here we are. Mostly ghostly, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, me and Ray are very happy to be uh, broadcasting to you direct this fine evening. You know, we keep it the cold, the, the cold air is blowing around out there. And uh, in, here it, in here, it's pretty nice. You know what I mean? That's how we'll do it. Technology is uh, something else. Now... If we are in the underworlds with the overlords, then we might not be feeling the same way. Uh, and that's for sure. You know what I mean? I know Ray, Ray's a, a, a man that, you know, he could battle off, but he doesn't do it anymore. He's a good man. He doesn't, with all these, these, uh, these entities here. I got to be careful with what I say, I feel. I feel the aura of this, of this theme the order of this episode is in the room, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a crazy deal. And uh, one of those orders, that order that I speak of is this overlords of the underworlds. And uh, we're going to get into some of these, these gods. They call them gods. You know, I happen to believe that there's only one god myself. I'll say that. I think that people have many a name for him, but I think that it's just one kind of energy thing. Um, but this this thing that we'll talk about today is there's, you know, multiple, uh, the gods of death from around the world, which sounds like another great band name for us to have, Ray. What do you think? We got, this is going to be our side project. We're going to, when we, 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 we hit a certain, you know, we want to take a break from the other band. We'll go on the road with this. You know what I mean? Sounds good to me. I'm with it. Now, you know, death always get held in great significance among the ancient cultures of the world for many reasons, you know what I mean? Uh, it's the gateway into a new and different life in the underworld that was governed by the gods of death. And, of course, the goddess of death, you know what I mean? Um, life after, you know, life wasn't always considered a dark and gloomy affair. Uh, for some, it involved joy, feasting, and eternal happiness, while the other is it signified darkness and true death. Um, I think we're talking, I don't know if we're talking about life or death with that right there. You know, there's a thin line between. Uh, but right now, as we discuss this whole dang thing, you know, we're discovering more of the fascinating deities of death in the underworld from many varied cultures of our history. Uh, and as we understand more about these gods of death, we come to understand that death wasn't always seen as a bad thing. For some, it was a step into a brave new world. You know what I mean? Uh, I kind of think that's the way it is now, too. You know, I know Ray feels that way. Um, how can you not, you know, it's that is, of course, it's so permanent is why it's so scary, I think. It's so, if you don't like it, there's no coming back. There's a too bad, you know, too bad, so sad type situation with death. You know what I mean? Um but that's kind of why I think the people can kind of come to grips with the fact that whatever they believe, whether it's nothingness, whether it's heaven, whether it's whatever they want to, you know, 
whatever they, they, their conception of it is, um, you know, that, yeah, you got to understand more about these gods of death, they say. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely one of those things. And then the fear of it, it's an acceptance, but, you know, you fear the, the unknown, of course, as we know. We've talked about many moons about this, and I think it's just a matter of that. So when it really boils down, you, I don't know if people are afraid of death as much as they're afraid of the unknowingness of what's about to happen. For the, for the most part, you can see, we all say life's pretty unpredictable. But I think that even life itself living is more predictable than death. So it's truly the unknown. Well, I think I agree with you. I think it's fear of the unknown, and that goes that uh, we're holding on to this light too strongly. We perceive it to be the only thing. If you're ever involved seriously in spiritual or paranormal events, you know that there's more than this, and uh, we're just we're just our egos are just holding on to this because we don't want to let it go. And if we we think we don't know what's on the other side. Well, there is something there, and there's no reason to be afraid of it. Yeah. Now, like a lot of these, now the gods that they come, Greek gods and stuff like that, that, it's just different civilizations kind of doing their thing, right? Kind of justifying a religion for them. And it's just that's, where, that's why we have these gaps in time where it's, you know, we have certain parts where, you know, actually right now, I mean, there's more than people, people, you know, everybody kind of, a lot of religions have their own God, you know what I mean? There's been times when it's been my God or the highway, you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, I wonder what the true, one of these days we're going to bounce into the real origins of some of these Greek, these Greek gods. I'd like to go there and just kind of really, really uncover where they really came from, you know. You know, a lot of the stories they say are all reoccurring, you know what I mean? I know they say, that there's other people, like the G- the story of Jesus, you know, has been told, you know, numerous times in different civilizations. You even take, to go to the Greek, the Greek-Roman time, you take Julius Caesar, you know, there's theories that he was a, a Jesus of his time, you know what I mean, where he was, he was praised up and uh, people enjoyed him a lot. And, uh, you know, he was, he was done in by his best pal, you know what I mean, which... What a metaphor that is to always see that is the old, uh, your best pal is going to shank you in the kidneys when you're not looking. You know what I mean? It's kind of like tale, the tale of the oldest time type deal. Good reason not to have many, many friends. Yeah, it's tricky. It's almost like uh, the shorter, you, the smaller your pack, the better. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, like it's reality. It's not just, uh, it's not just loner thinking like me and Ray. It's straight up reality. The math has been done. You know what I mean. The paper has been graded. It is what it is. Uh, well, there was one one person in history who solved that problem. Yeah, and that was Hitler. Oh my! Every single person on his inner circle, at one time or another, yeah, he tricked him. He tricked him into doing a nasty deed, which included up to killing off his competitors. Yeah. So everyone in his circle, he had something on, and he had the he had the military and secret police behind him, but he had something on everybody, and they were everyone was was afraid of him because of how ruthless and crazy he was, but also he could he could sink any one of them. 
Because mm. he had the dirt on him. He tricked them into doing stuff or made them do stuff, which uh, would have gotten them in, in trouble if executed, if not at least jailed. So it's kind of like, okay, you're going to behave or this comes out. You hear about that all the time. Blackmailing people. So the only people who got close to him, he controlled. Yeah. It's true. It's true. So we're going to break away from Adolf. I heard that Adolf is his real, his real first name. Or his last, that's what his last name is. His last name wasn't actually Hitler. Uh, I think he took his mother's maiden name or something like that. But his last name was something uh, uneventful. I heard somebody told me that recently. Not like Hades, which is pretty heavy duty of a name. You know what I mean? And of course, we're referring to the Greek god of death. You know what I mean? He gets down heavy with that. And he's at the three-headed dog. Now, what you now when you think of the what what does the three-headed dog symbolize? Do you know right off the top on that one? No, was that uh, I think that was Cerebus, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, it was Cerebus with a C. Yeah, but in other cultures they may not have three heads, but you have the hounds of hell. Right. So it's it's. I'd be curious to see which came first. Yeah, you see that a lot when when it, like trickery and like people being you know. Like evil, evil Motruckas, you see the three-headed deal. You know what I mean? It's kind of symbolic for almost like the two faces. Like it's got two different heads, two different fa- three different faces rather. So one can be kind to you, one can be mean to you, and one's middle of the road. Maybe you know, maybe something like that. Maybe that represents the good, bad, and medium. Well, I know that the letter three is a very sacred and powerful number. Yes. It, uh, so. It reoccurs, the three, or the trinity, reoccurs in a lot of cultures. So it has, to do, it has to do with numerology, sacred geometry, sacred numbers. So it just, it's been borrowed by all of, the, all of these belief systems. Yeah. And triangulate on some alien stuff, some, uh, some, some, some different zones, entering into some different dimension type stuff that I get down with, you know. Now, the de- you know, to go back to Hades real quick, the deities of ancient Greece are well-known, and there are many of them. Like we were saying before, the classic mythology is extremely diverse and filled with many unique creatures and powerful gods. <laughs> and the Greek god of death and the underworld is perhaps the best known, and that man's name is Hades. As he is called, is the mighty king of the underworld, presiding over the dead, always accompanied by his three-headed guard dog, Cerebus, like you said. Hades is the brother of the two other major Greek gods, Poseidon and Zeus. Where do you, Ray Bootin, put gods like these, like Hades, in the grand scheme of things with God, you know, kind of the, the creator of all? Uh, what, you, what you had, particularly in, in the Greek... Uh... Greek mythology, in their belief system, if you take Zeus, Zeus was constantly visiting the earth and constantly getting it on with earth women. And that's, right. where, a lot of, that's where a lot of the uh, Greek heroes came from. They were actually uh, half-breeds. Hmm. And uh, yeah, what, what would happen is that uh, I think Hercules was one. Uh, I'm trying to think who the other one was. Oh, Perseus, I think. 
Uh, I think Hercules. I think a completely fairy tale made up stuff. But uh, yeah, what we have is they, the culture at the time they had a supreme being. But like what a lot of cultures did is they started to give it human characteristics. Yeah, in trying to describe it, they made it human, and Zeus. They well, they made him horny. He just couldn't keep it keep it in his pants. He was constantly coming to Earth and uh, getting into trouble. Yeah. But uh, it's yeah, they put him as the supreme one. But he's also limited a little bit because his weapon was a thunderbolt. Mm. Yeah, kind of. He's the strong. He was the strongest and chief of their gods, but he wasn't really a supreme god because he had to deal with the others around him. I think I think it was Hera was his wife, I'm not sure. And she was always jealous and cursing his sons on Earth. Mm. How many people you think died in the crossover of making of trying to make people think going from the one god scenario to the multiple god scenario? I'm talking a lot of people. For the most part it was the multiple god was around quite a bit. Um the one god was the unusual part. Oh really? Yeah. Monotheism, the one God, that was the unusual one. Hmm. Uh, most other places, they have multiple ones. Uh, you go into Wiccan, it's, uh, yeah, they, they talk about uh, the mother, but they also talk about, and not that often, but there's a father figure in there also, but he's secondary since the, in the Wiccan it's Earth-based and you have Mother Earth similar to Native Americans. Uh, but yeah, you have, if you look in India, uh, oh, they, they've got a ton of them. I mean, it's in the thousands of the God, the number okay. of gods. So you get down the line, actually, despite what some people tend to say, they think that Judaism was the first monotheist, uh, the first one with one God. It was actually Zoroasterism had, was the first one that predates that from the same region of the world that had the, the one God that was greater than anything else. Yeah. Hmm. So that that goes way back, and uh, today we tend to, and we've gotten very much into okay. There's this one, that one, and we beat each other up over which one is more important and more powerful. Right. Was well, ego. But, yeah, but but at one time they were all over the place. Now, nope, you can't have that. Nope, mine or the highway. It really is ego. When you think of it, it's just other people saying that there's no re- there's no way I could be wrong, and and you you need to f- go my way or the highway of death. Crazy. I came across one interesting gentleman. He used to describe it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. He used when he would say anything, whether it was a meditation or prayer, he would always start it off with Mother, Father, God, Great Spirit, because he saw them all as this one aspect all different aspects of one thing. There was only one. We just would see different sides of it and put a name on it. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. You know what I mean? We, me and Ray are on the same page, I think. Um, mother, Father, God, and Holy Spirit? Uh, great Spirit. Great Spirit. What's the difference between a Holy Spirit and a Great Spirit? Anything? Or? Holy Spirit is part of the Divine Trinity. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Great Spirit. Traditionally, it's in several cultures, but mostly in American, uh, Native American, hmm. is the Great Spirit. Hmm. 
And they're all words for God, terms for God? Yeah, they're they're all terms for God, yeah. Uh, You know, the realm of this God was, you know, we're going to get into, uh, we got the Hades over here, kill it and still. The realm of this God was a misty, uh, gloom abode of death known as Erebus. Uh, the dead would enter this this realm after crossing the River Styx, uh, which the River Styx is it's like what it's it's you know it's when you what would you equate that I know it's the you know when you die it's the journey you take to to like wherever you go but what would you equate that to they don't call it the River Styx anymore right no uh, they have a more modernized name for that yeah that's kind of fallen out of out of fashion uh, whatever spiritual journey a trip you take once you pass. They mostly nowadays they just ignore it. Yeah, they 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 push it aside. And, uh, I, if I remember correctly, that you would want to p- give the ferryman that brought you across the sticks coins. You would want to you would want to give him a coin. Two, right? For your you know, eyes. Possibly, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that that's where the two, the two for your eyes came from. You had to have something to pay him that. Otherwise, you were trapped in a sort of limbo. Now, when they when they dis- they make the when they make the decision not to talk about certain things anymore, does that make the does that kind of diminish them a little bit to you, or you just think they just don't want to talk about it? What do you mean by diminish? To like, does diminish. it mean that they don't really hold credibility? Kind of extinguishes the uh, the, the belief in that. Uh, the belief in some of these uh, was. A lot of them was lessened, or I wouldn't say, yeah, some of them distinguished, uh, distinguished, but lessened quite a bit over time. But I really, I really see them as aspects of the same thing. How a culture at the time chose to understand and interpret, and there's a lot of interpretation, and there's a lot of putting their own spin on it. It's just like um, there are certain certain ones where when you die, you go to this place and let's say, you know, there's a garden and there's this and they make it very earthly in the rewards. So you've left earth to go to and receive, to receive earthly awards, rewards and something about the great beyond all of this earth and an entire universe and stuff. I don't see where any Supreme being would say, okay, you've been very good. I'm going to put you in a private little paradise over here where you can, you know, eat and drink all you want. Yeah. Really? That that that's that to me is the human part interpreting and giving a definition to what they really don't know to take away some of the fear, the fear of dying. Oh, don't worry about it. You, you're going to be treated well on the other side. You, you, you're going to be living in a, in a wonderful place. Don't worry about it. Yeah. If you follow me. It's true. That's the truth. Yeah, Hades can get the bad rap of almost being like the devil, but he's he's you know he's neither kind of good or bad. You know, fully good or bad type deal. He's uh, he's the boatman, realistically. That's what it breaks down to. Uh, he, you know, he dwells in the realm, and he has all the power over the realm as well as all the inhabitants of the realm. An immortal god, he, he, he can get invisible, you know what I mean? Uh, thanks to the unique helm of darkness, which he wore, you know what I mean? And uh, it's one of those deals, you know. But he had worshippers, man. His worshippers, they, they fear, even though he was, wasn't good or bad officially, they still feared him. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I wouldn't say, it's weird. It's a weird vibe, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's definitely a weird deal. 
But uh, due to his reputation for being stern and rigorously just, he supervised the trial and punishment of the sinful dead, and worshippers often made sacrifices to him to appease him. See, that that was a mouthful right there, because it's all, it feels like there's a lot of contradictory stuff, like, you know... He was kind of, he was kind of God. He judged the trial, the tri- you know, he supervised the trial and punishment of the sinful dead. Uh, maybe he was just the guy that laid out, laid, like, pushed forward after they were already judged or whatever. But that almost sounds like he was the judger, judge, jury, and executioner himself, you know what I mean? Uh, and they were off, you know, the worshippers often made sacrifices to him. I guess this is coming from a time where when I hear sacrifice, you hear a sacrifice nowadays, you ain't thinking a positive thing. You're thinking someone getting burnt up in a hole for Satanus, you know what I mean? It's uh, it's not exactly, you know, the cattle with the blood, the good, you know, whatever it is. Um, so when you, when I'm immediately, but sacrifices more so back in the day, they were kind of a, a just thing and uh, they were more, uh, you know, well, they're more common as well as like it, it was a, you could be either or. Now, that's another thing to go with the God thing. Like the sacrifice probably originally started as a good thing and then probably maybe slid into the bad era and they use maybe it as mockery of the good thing, so to speak, to do it towards a negative energy. But then again, I never really found killing of it you know with god's creatures and, and and your fellow man and all that it's like i you know the way he tells you to respect and love each other i i, I find it very difficult that he would be down or would want you to go kill bir- like like animals you know what i mean uh, cattle and you know i said birds birds flew out of my mouth for whatever reason i don't know why but like i don't i almost don't feel i don't know i don't i feel like he would i think they did that because they thought they were giving life and what the most precious thing that's probably why they did it, I'm assuming. But, yeah, it's just, it's kind of like the weird religious people, they, they get crazy nowadays where they, they'll, like, kill you because you don't believe what they believe. And in their head, that, like, makes sense, you know what I mean? Well, you also got another take on that is uh, he was a judge. Yeah. Judge you good or bad. So if you're making the sacrifices to appease him, it's almost like you're trying to bribe the judge. You know, look, look the other way and go go easy on me. Here's the sacrifice. Yeah. And now if that, now I'm not sure, but if those sacrifices were offered, let's say, in a temple, then you're getting a temple and institution that is taking those sacrifices to make prayers for you. Maybe not for him. Maybe you did his in private. I'm not sure. But now you're getting institutions taking something. And that's like, you know, uh, making an offering at a, at a church, et cetera. But, yeah, it's kind of like you're trying to bribe the judge, and he was just the judge. And, yeah, oh, look, you were a major screw-up. I'm sorry. You're, you're, in it, you're in it deep. Sorry. And you never sacrificed to me, so you're in it double deep. <laughs> double Dutch. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. You got to be careful. Next up, we got Marona and Vesna. Uh, the death Marona is the death-bringing winter goddess of the Slavs. The ancient Slavs had a complex vision of death in the underworld. These two terms were not uh, always synonymous, and how they were viewed could vary from tribe to tribe. Nevertheless, Marona is largely considered as the major Slavic goddess of death, 
known also as Marzana, Marina, and Mara. She was associated with the seasonal changes that brought death and rebirth in the complex myth and legends of the Slavs. Marona arrives uh, with the winter, which is her realm, and uh, with the winter, death descends on the land. Crops no longer grow, hunger sets in, and life becomes challenging. Which that kind of, you see that in every kind of culture, their belief uh, going way back with the when, because, you know, the winter would come and it would be so harsh, people would die, there'd be no food, that like it really, it was really looked down as a curse, really, you know, and like they would, you know, that's how the whole vibe with the winter goddess, you know what I mean? Um, Wiccan, sounds very Wiccan-like, you know what I mean? Now, complex, yeah. I know in parts of Europe, and you had the Yule tree. And what people don't realize about the Yule tree, which was offered up in the winter, and it was offered up, it would take it would be a green tree, mm-hmm. and it would be burnt. And the reason it would be burnt is to release the green or the life back into the atmosphere, so that it would come back in the spring, and things would return turn green again. So you also have a dark time a dark god or goddess in this case, mm-hmm. and you have a sacrifice to bring back the light in a life. Yeah. Well, complex rituals were performed towards the winter's end. As believers attempted to drive off Marana, it was believed that the winter's end is the death of this goddess and the rebirth of Avesna, uh, the goddess of spring. Marana was also considered the goddess of dreams, nightmares, and sorcery, and she likened to the ancient Greek goddess Hecate. Today, in most Slavic languages, the words denoting dreams and nightmares have Mara as their root, coming from the name of this venerated, powerful mistress of the winter. You know what I mean? Um, It's one of those deals. We also got so the Egyptian time getting heavy with the Egyptian gods here. Of course, you have Anubis, I believe is the way you pronounce it. I could be wrong. Uh, that jackal-headed Egyptian symbol and, 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 and that the Egyptian god uh, to usher you into the afterlife. But everybody knows that jackal-headed, you know, almost like coyote, uh, wolf-headed uh, with the body of a human type deal. You know what I mean? Um yeah, you know, for the ancient Egyptians, death was uh, but a stepping stone to somewhere greater and far more complex than earthly life. When an Egyptian person died, it was believed that their soul would be weighed on special scales, like at the Delhi. The result of this weighing would decide whether or not they'd entered Duat, the underworld. Anubis was the, go- the god connected to death, embalming the afterlife in the underworld. He presided over the heart-weighing ceremony and ushered the dead into the realm of Duat. Now, for some reason, the embalming part of that really stuck out to me and bothered me a little bit. Because I can just picture this creepy-looking half-human, half-coyote thing, the roadrunner. looks like the, the roadrunner, for crying out loud. If you think about it, realistically, if you want to go into like them putting weird things in for kids to watch, the roadrunner is very much like this thing. Uh, not to upset the world, but the embalming thing's crazy because it's like 
you know, the everybody embalmings, you know, when you die, they take the, the blood out of you and they put embalming fluid in you. Now, they did it a different way, which is more horrifying, where they would cut your cut the organs out and put them in the jars and stuff like that, right? What Do you know any more details about what they do in, in an Egyptian embalming ceremony? They, take, um, they, they may would I do that. May I add one thing? I also yeah. know they put a hook up your nose and pull your brain out. I right, take it, Ray. Okay, that was, I was going to mention that one, too. Yeah. yeah. They pull the brain out through the nostrils with a hook. <laughs> yeah, I think it was similar to a resin. They would treat the body. Uh, they would dry, actually, they would keep it in a t- chamber to dry it out so it wouldn't rot. They would use salts on it. Then, then they would wrap it to uh, preserve the body. Um, they believed that also the body and the whole person would, uh, well, particularly if you were a pharaoh or something, that you would be ready for the afterlife that way and continue on. Yeah. Yeah, but the hook up the nose thing, yeah, that's kind of like one which, uh, uh, yeah, okay, that's a pleasant thought. But you're dead anyways. It's true. Yeah, it's, I, I still think you feel it. I still think you feel that for some reason. That's, that's, nah, you know, you're, when you don't feel that, you know, you're really dead. But think of the people that weren't really dead. Maybe they, they fell into a coma or something like that. They were still I'm kicking. Not, I'm not sure if it's Egyptians. I think they may have done it. There were several cultures where I know there were several where um, important people in the household uh, were killed with them so that they yeah. would have servants, pets, so that they would have their favorite pet with them. Mm-hmm. So it's not just one person dying. It's you're bringing a lot of people along with you who are going to serve you. If they served you in this life, they're going to serve you in the next life. Yeah. So you don't get out from under that thumb. That's true. Yeah, it's a crazy deal. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be involved. It's bad enough nowadays, let alone back in the ancient times when they, what they do to you. Uh, Anubis was depicted with a human body and the head of an Egyptian golden wolf, commonly referred to as a jackal. Uh, not Bruce Willis jackal, so that's something else. He had a brother, the god Wep Waywit. Sounds like a town in Rhode Island, uh, who also had the head of a wolf. For this reason, ancient Egyptians offered sacrifices to this god, which consisted of mummified jackals. Thousands of these animals were discovered in the burial fields of Saqqara and elsewhere. Uh, In later history of Egypt, Osiris replaced Anubis as the ruler of the underworld, but the latter still had power over the dead, guiding them across the threshold into the realm of death. Hell yeah. We also have uh, the Ereshagel, Lady of the Great Place and the Queen of Death. Uh, in ancient Mesopotamian mythology, Ereshagel presided over Kerr, the underworld, known as the Queen of the Great Earth. She held the dominion over the dead alongside her husband, the powerful Nurgle. Interesting, uh, Ereshagel is quite obscure in the surviving cult, cultic texts. On the other hand, she is quite prominently mentioned uh, in the surviving Mesopotamian mythological literature. It is now certain that she held a prominent position in this ancient civilization. Yeah, I've seen her before, of course. Uh, very, very more ladylike, um, 
you know, she's nude. It looks like she's nude almost. She has wings behind her, which, you know, that could just be a play on. She's an angel now, so we'll give her wings, you know what I mean? Uh, she does have some funky feet, uh, which is horrifying. Quentin Tarantino would not like these feet. They look like birds' feet. For anybody that's ever seen an eagle claw, that's what this lady's feet look like. And it even has like a almost like a rooster thing hanging off the back of her knee. Uh, I don't know what's going on with her, but they're they're mashing up some chickens and humans for this one, I think. And she's got the darkest eyes, Ray. I don't even want to look into them. Sorry if I'm. I think it's an interesting mix there because it's almost like she's associated with the earth where we come from or possibly in a lot of old cultures you had, and we we did an episode on this, like cave and underground areas are access to another world. Yeah. Um, Also, in this case, you've got a woman with a goddess of death. Mm -hmm. And if you take a woman gives life, and in that particular culture, she would take it back at the end. That's true. So you've got a cycle going on there. The giver yeah. and taker of life is the female. For sure. I'm with that. You know, some sources translate her name as Lady of the Great Place, with the Great Place being the realm of the dead. In the many surviving myths, it is exp- explained that Ereshkigal overtook this realm for her own sister the major goddess Inanna, Ishtar. Her offspring, messenger, and personal servant was Namtar, the evil demon connected with death itself. Uh, In Mesopotamia, there was a major temple dedicated to her, uh, situated in the ancient city of Kutha. It was believed that ceremonies dedicated to her name could cure people and liberate them from evil spirits. Makes sense. You know what I mean? You've got the... I find it interesting that somewhere in that story, you do have someone who makes death fearful. Yeah. It's always death is to be feared. Yeah, well, there's numerous reasons why you should fear death in a situation like this. Of course, you have... They would want you to fear it. They can use it against you if you fear it, as well as it is the great unknown. You know what I mean? We also got Val- the Valise, uh, shepherd of the souls of the dead. The ancient Slavs had much more joyful vision of death in the afterlife than many other contemporary cultures. For them, death signified the 40-day journey to Arai, the realm best described as heaven. And Ray's talked about that a lot in the past, that 40-day journey deal. And, you know, they let you, they let you hang out for a little bit. Now, upon death, it was believed that the human souls were transferred into birds that would roost in the branches of a massive linden tree, awaiting the time when they get to be resurrected once more. Uh, the god presiding over these souls was Valise, the shepherd of the dead and the ruler of the underworld. Many elements of uh, Valise had an archaic uh, Catholic connection to the depths of the earth and thus with the underworld. He was associated with dampness, wet places, cattle, hair, and presumably guarded the sacred tree of the underworld from its roots or base. His role as the guardian of the roosting souls varied from one Slavic tribe to the other, but it is likely that he was just the guardian of the dead. Uh, While goddesses such as Rhoda 
or the god Rod would decide which souls were to be reincarnated again. Valise, however, is pre- uh, present amongst all Slavic cultures, which confirms him as one of the oldest Slavic deities. Um, now they get a uh, the fr- hell, you know. That's that's you know. Now, real quick, the, the Valise. Real quick, we'll talk about him. He's got a funky look to him. It's almost like he has an insect-like head with the body of a human, which. An insect head is a lot creepier than a wolf head or a fox head or uh, whatever, the jackal head that they were going for before. Um, I've, because, you know, jackal looks like a dog. I've, I've patted dogs. I've seen happy dogs, friendly dogs. I've never seen a, a, an insect up close that was happy. They're always in bad moods, Ray. You know what I mean? Scary stuff. Scary stuff. Now, to get a little scarier with y'all out there, uh, I next- get a question. I, I get a question. Did yes. they say what type? Did they say what type of birds? No, they did not get into the full detail. No, because I know in uh, many Native American cultures, um, the crow escorts you. Ah. I can appreciate that. It reminds me of the movie as well, which I believe Brandon Lee's passing like the anniversary is coming up so rest in peace brandon lee from the crow which is kind of crazy if he's coming up on an anniversary because he died kind of like that the the recent alec baldwin rust movie incident where it was a bolt for whatever reason real bullets were in a gun on a movie set i don't me and ray both been working in the movie biz for a long time it's insanity to have real bullets in a gun um there is you know there's blanks for stuff like that. And even with the blank, you don't aim it at the person. Come on. Come on, Alec. Get it together, buddy. Now, even more horrifying than some things we've talked about today in the visual, like the insect face, uh, we're going to have to go into hell. H-E, one hockey stick. This is in double hockey stick. Um, but hell the frightening goddess of death who presided over the Viking underworld as depicted by artist John Dahlman is what we look at. You know what I mean? Um, now the Viking, you almost wouldn't, when you hear Viking, you think, well, a Viking woman probably don't look that fantastic. And you'd be right. You know what I mean? In this situation, um, she's got like a large Marge type situation going. She's got like a hag look to her. Like they're really, they're not doing her the justice. You know what I mean? They're kind of doing her up foul. Feel bad for her. So I'll be nice. But, uh, it is a well known that the ancient Vikings had a very unique view of death. Uh, they had to, they were gung ho, you know, fearless Vikings, fearless people. They don't fear anything. Maybe a little bit of death though. Warriors believe that all those who live courageously and die fighting in battle would certainly be welcomed into the halls of Valhalla by their chief god Odin to feast and rejoice. Alas, not all would be granted that privilege. Those who died in some of uh, some other way would end up in the underworld realm Nephium, where the goddess Hell ruled over the dead. This is kind of like if you weren't a, 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 a real soldier, you had to go to the hell area. Now, you always hear people talk about Valhalla. See you in Valhalla when people die. So Valhalla is just kind of like a heaven for a soldier almost. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, yeah. 
Yeah, it's kind of like the you had to have the warrior spirit. Yeah. You had to be that great warrior. And then you went into the halls of Valhalla and you drank a lot of mead and you got drunk and Odin was happy. Yeah. But if you didn't have that right spirit, then you got sent to hell. And it's kind of, you talk about people having an image. Who do they have in charge of hell? Is it another powerful uh, spirit? Well, it's a female spirit, not a male spirit. Yeah. And that to me, to me, that's a little surprising because there were some strong Viking uh, women out there that uh, were warriors, etc. But it was, they put the the woman in charge of hell. Who knows? Maybe maybe that's what the mentor family life was at that time, while they went off to war, <laughs> and the warriors got the got the rewards in uh, Valhalla. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think it was just a. I don't know. I think I don't. Know. Valhalla just seems like something that sounds cool. Sounds like something that the, whoever was trying to get you to go to battle would tell you there were such things, and whoever was going to battle would want to believe that there were such things because they know that they're kind. They signed up, and uh, they just hope for a good ending. I feel like that's kind of the Valhalla thing. But it's I, I still see people posting that, you know, see you in Valhalla when people pass. Um, there's a movie called Valhalla Rising by Nicholas Winding Refn the director of Drive, me and Ray were talking about it before this masterpiece. Um, but the Niphium is where you end up if you're not a good soldier, it sounds like, or just like a regular person. Yeah, if you were, bo- if you were born without uh, that warrior spirit, you weren't willing to stand up there and fight, then uh, you don't get the rewards, you get punished. This is a very military sound to it, doesn't it? That doesn't sound exactly like the military. Even current, oh, yeah. day, current day military, where you, if you're not, you know, you, anybody not military is a little less than they are. You know what I mean? Not quite, not quite full human being yet. Maybe one day. Um, it's one of those deals. And then again, Valhalla. Valhalla seems like a good soldier heaven. You know, they have to drink, drink and feast. It's a beautiful thing. Um, you know. The goddess Hell ruled over the dead, and we're going to get a little deeper into that. You know, she's described as a gloomy, despondent woman whose skin is discolored as in death. In Norse mythology, uh, Hell was always grouped with darker, negative beings. She is said to be a daughter of the trickster god Loki and the giantess Angraboa. Oh, interesting. That big, gigantic snake thing. That's interesting. Um, the mother of monsters. Uh, her siblings are the terrible wolf Fenrir and the world serpent Jarmungandir. Uh, those that died of sickness, old age, uh, as cowards or as bad people, were bound to the halls of hell where this goddess would preside over them. Her realm was a stark contrast from golden halls of Valhalla, and a clear parallel can be seen to the Christian concepts of heaven and hell. Uh, yeah, definitely got that vibe to it. I'll bring up another thing if you want a uh, a comparison to, to. You've got two images there of gods of the underworld and their serpents. Yeah. And if you look uh, at the Garden of Eden, it was a serpent. And then the serpent was cursed. Yeah. The devil took the form of the serpent. So that whole serpent uh, concept carries carries over among the Vikings. It parallels. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm with that for sure. The, the hell, you know what? The thing that is, it's hell. It's it's pretty much hell with one L. Like, what what's your take on that? That isn't no coincidence. You know what I mean? What's your take on that? Uh, languages back and forth. I don't, I don't know what significance that that may have. Which one came first, or where in a translation one was adopted in multiple religions? I don't know. But it's. I'm not surprised. The word hell comes up whether it's a goddess that looks over what some people would consider a hell or hell as a place itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird vibe. You know, it's funny when they say that, Oh, they kind of, they, they compare it to the concepts of heaven and hell. And it's like, it's, 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 it's hell without, with, with missing one out. Like it, uh, you don't have to really put your brain to, in the two overdrive to compare those things. Next up, we have the Mitkantikuli, or the Terrible, the death god of the Aztec underworld. Um, death was a major aspect of ancient Aztec civilization. Therefore, these people had many diverse gods and goddesses connected strictly to death and the dead. One god, however, stands out. Uh, that's Mictlcoatl, the major Aztec deity. He is the god of death and the ruler of Mictlan. Uh, the lowest region of the Aztec underworld. He boasted several names and titles, including Nextufia, uh, the scattered of ashes, scatterer of ashes, as gangsta, uh, Izpustek, the broken face, and Tuztomek, he who lowers his head. Uh, he was almost always depicted as a pale and ghastly skeleton spattered with blood. That's funky. I can support that. Uh, together with his consort, uh, Michikotali dwelt in a, grim, in a grim house without windows in the darkness of the underworld. The Aztecs commonly associated this god with bats, spiders, owls, and similar nocturnal creatures. He was nevertheless actively worshipped. Ceremonies in the temples of Machole involved ritual cannibalism and possibly human sacrifice. I feel like probably human sacrifice. He's a skeleton with splattered blood on him, keep in mind. Those that died were buried with rich grave goods. These served to appease uh, him once the spirits of the dead person finally reached the underworld. You know, so they believe uh, possessions mean something to that culture, I think. You know, which is always something to take note of is... You know, I feel like the real spiritual cultures don't really, it's just possessions. It, it doesn't matter. Like, the, your body's just a possession. It doesn't matter when you die. It's an old suit, you know what I mean? You pull off the clothes and you go somewhere else. Um, so whenever I see, you know, but then they got their the, the rich grave goods, you know what I mean? The Egyptians were big into that, too, and packing everybody in their casophaguses with fucking gold and all their jewels and diamonds and jewelry and all that good stuff. But uh, this dude's got a good look. I like his look. You know what I mean? We got the, the soupe, of course. And uh, <clears throat> the soupe is a demonic dispenser of death for the Incas. Um, the enigmatic supa is the major deity in Cuico, Inca, and Aryan myths and beliefs. 
This demonic being was the god of death and the overlord of the Incan underworld, which was known as Ucha Pacha, presiding over the deceased, as well as over the race of cruel demons. Supai was envisioned as a demonic entity with a grim face and twisting malignant and horns. It was known that the Inca greatly feared this god of death in the underworld and worshipped him and sacrificed to him to stay safe from his harmful ways. Due to these negative aspects and the fear he instilled in the worshippers, Supe was quickly connected to the concept of Christian devil following the Spanish colonization of the Americas. In fact, over the centuries, the name Supe was the local word used for uh, the Christian devil. However, in pre-Christian times, the indigenous peoples performed many elaborate and evocative dances and rituals dedicated to the god Supe. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one, you know what I mean? I don't know, that one seems a little, uh, not as, not as fantastical as the other ones, to be honest with you, but, you know, not, no offense. There's a common theme among a lot of them. Um, you have, for instance, Lucifer and all his devils and demons. Then you have this other god, and of course, they have demons or devil, demons to torture you. And it's a re- it's a reoccurring theme that uh, if you don't behave in this life, then no matter what God greets you on the other side, or what deity greets you on the other side, they're going to have some ki- sidekicks over there that are going to come in and uh, make it all miserable for you. Uh, there, there's always a bunch of demons around there to punish you. Yeah, it's, a, it's just so common. Well, that's the bad part of it, you know. There's so many of them wanting to punish. So many wanted to punish, man. We also have the Orcus, the tormentor of the dead and the old Etruscan god. Uh, the Italic pre-Roman mythology of the Apennine Peninsula is still somewhat clouded in mystery. Still, as the Romans rose to power and the prominence, their mythology and uh, the Pantheon showed a slight glimpse into the beliefs of the cultures that preceded them. Now, the Orcus, the god of the underworld in Roman mythology, was also present amongst the uh, Utruscans and some Italic tribes. Orcus was the ruler of the, Ro- the Roman Hades. Uh, their underworld was and punished evildoers and those who broke their oaths. That's cool. I can get down with that a little bit. You know, you gotta, you gotta, people that don't live up to their oaths, that broke their oath, you gotta, you always gotta have something to say about oath breakers, you know what I mean? Well, there's actually, if you uh, go into the, <clears throat> you have the, um, the saying, uh, do not, and it's, it's misinterpreted, where yeah. they say, do, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. In, the, in the original Hebrew, what that meant, uh, before it was translated into English, was a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, to paraphrase it, in the old Hebrew, what it meant was, don't make a promise to God you can't keep. That's true. So okay. it, it wasn't really taking the name in vain, which is not a good thing, but it was one step beyond that. Is don't, don't swear on God's name because oh, you, you're, you're, in, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble there if you don't come through. And they're usually asking for stuff at that point. It's not like they're, you know, it's usually they're coming to him for something when they're doing that. 
you know, we got uh we got yeah, we all the, the yamas also too. The, the the venerable Hindu death god. We'll, we'll close up with that. Uh, both Hindu and the Buddhist religions are filled with the, the diverse and often dark, morbid deities. Yama, known also as Yamahara, is their god of death in the underworld, and also one of the oldest and most important deities in their world views. Uh, the mythology tells us that Yama is the son of the great sun god Surya and the very first human being to have died. Interesting. Because of this, he became the ruler of the dead, presiding over the underworld as the lord of the spirits of the deceased. I tell you, it's a tough, it's a tough life for being the first person to die, and you got to tell everybody else the way, but nobody told you. Uh, Yama is just a righteous, a just and righteous God, and stern to boot. But in the underworld, he dispenses justice and punishment in the sinners, in his to the sinners in his realm. In most depictions, Yama is shown as a blue or dark complexioned man, astride a buffalo. In his arms, he carries a noose and, and a mace. Now, a mace isn't probably the mace that I'm thinking about, right, Ray? Uh, probably not. No, I'm thinking a mace that you spray people with, right? I uh, know it's more like a club. <laughs> I know the tools he uses for capturing the souls of the dead. Uh, to this day, he remains one of the oldest Hindu gods. Uh, the mysteries beyond the light in the tunnel. You know what I mean? That's what we're all about. So yeah, that was a cool little like uh, little kind of just go through. You know, the Hall of Fame, if you will, of these deities and these these supposed gods of the underworld. Um, you know. They're more than just boatmen, folks, all right? got to give them a little more respect. Put a little more respect on their name, all right? It ain't no Uber. This ain't no Uber driver. This ain't the Uber driver from hell with one L, you know what I'm saying? This is real shit. You got to be careful out there. Ray, you well, want to say? Think, yeah. Yeah. Um, what I was in- interesting is the last one, he was righteous and justice. Just. So it's kind of like um, almost the same as, you know, a final judgment. His job was to be the judge. And there was one before that that was also the judge that, and you go back to the very beginning, the Greek, where you could offer sacrifices to kind kind sway him a little bit to your side. But you've got female, you've got male, you've got a lot of demons in there. A lot of them had sidekicks that were demons that did their dirty work. Um, it really is. I, I see two things. One is a way to control people by scaring them. And another way, is, another thing is that on another level, they are looking at there is evil out there and there's something greater than us. There's something on the other side and it can be evil. And that's, that's why I think you always have those demons by their side torturing. Those are the same demons that can torture you while you're alive. You don't have to be dead. Yeah. No, I'm with that for sure. I'm definitely with that. Me and those, are, those are that were most afraid and uh, or more fearful uh, moved into human sacrifice, and that you're looking at the Aztecs and the Incas. They, you know, a life for a life, uh, awful life, so that you get a good life on the other side. Yeah. So there's, there's some nasty stuff, and there's a lot of fear in here, whether it's uh, fear of an actual evil from the other side or a ruler pushing it to try and uh, people trying to 
make people conform to their own way of uh, believing and doing. Yeah, it's true. It's definitely some dark stuff out there, you know what I mean? You get the a, common, a common theme repeating quite a bit. The darkness? The darkness and the punishment. Always, and to me, that's more of a control factor. Yeah. And, and if, if let's say if you didn't have a body, how could you be punished? So, so it's very human, very controlling, and common for thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things, and hopefully everybody just live good lives, be just, be kind, be good to each other, and you won't have to meet any of these individuals on your uh, your River Styx journey. You're taking that cruise, taking that fucking cruise liner over the River Styx, you know what I mean? Uh, be well, you know what I mean? This was a. This wasn't a, a, the, the most longest of mostly ghostly episodes. This was a fun little ditty, fun little ditty for y'all to sink your teeth into and uh, wet your palate as you uh, get ready for more mostly ghostly in the future. We thank y'all for listening as always. We love y'all out there. You know, check out uh, the social media pages. We got the Patreon, of course. I know you know about the Boombastic Media YouTube page. And uh, wherever you listen to this, go subscribe and uh, listen to more episodes. That's the best thing you could do. Listen to more episodes. Let us know you're listening. Hit us up on the book if you want to uh, suggest an episode or a topic or come on. We, uh, we're all about having anybody that wants to talk about cool stuff on the Ghostly Show. All right. With that being said, we bid you adieu, and we hope you have a great evening out there. Ray, have a great evening. You too, sir. Thank you, sir. And we'll catch all y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. (laughs) 